All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Less Stressed Life podcast, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so they get that, so that they can get their energy back quickly. And today I'm joined with a buddy of mine and a leader and pioneer in the world of functional medicine, Dr. Eric Balkavage. This is our third interview, and I told him, hey, Eric, we haven't talked for a while um, I want to hear what's new on your radar and we can just kind of geek out in front of the audience and, and tell them what's going on. He's the owner and founder of Rejuvagen, is widely recognized around the world as a leader in functional medicine. He's been in practice for over 20 years and he's, he has successfully helped thousands of people suffering with thyroid pro problems uh, and other chronic health conditions all over the world. So Eric, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks, Joel. I wish it, we, I, I was down in Florida with you, but you know, we'll do it from, well, we'll do it distance. I'm going to be there tell, next month. Oh, okay. Yeah. I tell people, look, the, the roads are open. So you're free to come here as much as you want and make that, make that change. You, you know, you're old enough now where you can. Hey, you know, hey, 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 right? hey, just cause I don't have much hair. Don't be calling me old. Well, no, that's true. So, all right. So Eric, so give us sort of a, um, I guess the common question is a little bit about yourself, but kind of give us where you've evolved to, because you've had a huge journey. You were a brick and mortar, you were a hands-on guy, and then you found your passion with helping people going deeper. And here we are in 2021. Um, what would you sort of give us as if I asked you, hey, what do you do for your for your life? If you were to give us sort of your elevator sort of sentence of what it is that you do. Why don't you tell the listeners, what is it that you do now, given the evolution and transition that you've you've been through? At this point in time, I mean, my 32nd elevator speech is I help people recover from chronic illness. I mean, I, I think that's what, really what it comes down to. Um, and I think most people come to me because they have some type of a thyroid physiology problem. They see my, my information or my posts or they're referred to me. And, um, and that starts the journey of, hey, can you help me fix my thyroid physiology? And um, I think most of those people that come to see me, I'm rarely ever trying to manipulate their thyroid physiology. I'm always looking at a whole bunch of these other things. And so whether somebody comes to see me and they've got a thyroid problem that they've been diagnosed with, or they have GI issues, or they have adrenal issues, or they have uh, sleep issues or weight issues, you know, that the diagnosis to me means very little. Ultimately, anybody with chronic health issues can benefit from what I think is a, an appropriate functional medicine philosophy and strategy. Um, and so I help people with all kinds of issues, but what it, what, what kind of is attracted to me are people with thyroid issues specifically looking to try and fix it. Like what's the secret sauce to fix my chronic hypothyroidisms, hypothyroidism and chronic hypothyroid symptoms. And I think many times those people are, uh, they're kind of taken aback when I say, listen, we're not going to try and manipulate your T4, your TSH, or your T3. We're going to try and get to the foundational issues of why your body is reacting the way it is. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and I find the same thing with myself as well. And I, I, I tell people like, you know, and I want to ask you this question. I look at it as if we're golf pros, it'd be so much easier if you came to us and you haven't swung a golf club before versus 
all the crappy forms that you've learned, we have to unlearn that and we have to relearn the actual skill set. Um, and I kind of liken that to what you just said is I, I don't work on diagnoses because a lot of clients that must be hard for them to listen to where, hey, you're the thyroid guy. I got thyroid issues. And then you tell them like, OK, I don't care about your thyroid issues. So how do you have them unlearn their bad swing from an educational standpoint? Well, I, I think that's right. So a couple things is, is that sometimes the easiest people to help are the people that aren't coming in with their preconceived biases, right? They've, they, they say, well, I'm a limey, uh, I'm, a, I'm a moldy, I'm a this, and they start to explain to you why they have their health crisis, like they're dumping their diagnosis or preconceived diagnoses or preconceived ideas as to what's wrong and saying, hey, I, here's what's wrong with me and I want you to fix it. And I think, well, and I, and I don't blame them for that. They've probably been to a bunch of different physicians. They read a lot of blogs. They're searching and searching for answers, but they want to give us their perceived idea of what's actually wrong and expect us to fix what they think is wrong, right? If, you, if you're getting what I'm saying. So they think that I might have some special way to fix their Lyme that the 10 Lyme specialists they went to didn't fix it, but I'm going to have the solution. It's probably the thyroid because I've been to 10 Lyme specialists and I didn't get better. I'm a Lyme. And so uh, it, that hasn't, that treatment hasn't worked. So maybe it's the thyroid and maybe it's just, that's the little thing I need to fix and then everything else gets better. Or I'm a moldy or I'm an EBV person or I'm a whatever. So I think those are the hardest people to get better. And to be fair, some of the sickest people I meet and some of the most over-supplemented people I meet are functional medicine practitioners and functional medicine coaches because they are, they are, they're trying to fix signs and symptoms. They have access to all these supplements. They, they know and have a lot of connections and they go to a seminar to learn about Lyme. I probably have Lyme. I'm take, take, taking this. And so for me, those are the people that I have to have those uh, kind of come to Jesus conversations like, hey, look, I know what you think is wrong and you might be right. But we're going to turn all that noise off right now. And we're just going to take a look at things from a fundamental standpoint. Um, and that's hard for people because they, they've spent a lot of time and effort researching what they think is wrong and have some good ideas and concepts. The problem is the way they've gone about it or the way they've gone about it with other physicians hasn't worked. So if we keep looking at what's wrong with them through that same biased lenses, the problem is we're probably going to want to do the same exact things. And we have to, as a good functional medicine practitioner, stand back many times, look at the 30,000 foot view and say, okay, you've got all these different diagnoses and you're treating the diagnoses, A, maybe you've got the wrong diagnoses, right? And B, are you really doing anything different than we give allopathic medicine a hard time for doing, right? So we say, well, I have Lyme, but I'm not going to use uh, antibiotics or I'm not going to use this med. I'm going to use these because they're natural. Well, okay. But aren't you still treating 
the disorder instead of saying, let's take a step back. You've treated it 10 times and you still have Lyme. Maybe we need to take a step back and say, why is Lyme having such a great time hanging out in your body if that's actually the case? Or why are you so susceptible to mold when nobody else in your family or in your residence is? Maybe there is mold in your home. Maybe it's contributing to the problem, but maybe it's not the problem. So trying to talk those people kind of back a little bit and say, hey, just let's take a broad look at it. Let's let's see what's maybe going on. Let's leave the preconceived notions behind because if we come back into it, if you come to another practitioner with, and that practitioner is going to assume everything you said is optimal and right and accurate and assume that everybody else you saw was a good physician, why would they do anything different? Right? So we have to take a look at things differently. And then the other part of that is sometimes we have people that are so kind of married to their treatment strategies that they've done so far that aren't working that we have to we have to get them to divorce the, some of those strategies to have success. So you you know this, you see people come in, I'm chronic health issues, I've seen 10 functional medicine practitioners, my medical doctors aren't able to help me, they haven't been able to help me. And then you look at what's going on, they have 15 diagnoses and they're taking 18, 20, 25 different supplements. And you're like, and they want the next supplement that's going to fix them. And you have to be hard. I mean, you have to be kind of rough with them to some degree and say, look, if you need 25 supplements, bottles, not individual capsules per day, but 25 different bottles of supplements every day to survive and to function, and this is your function, you probably don't need any because they're probably part of the problem. And I think we make that mistake in medicine sometimes that, or in health, in functional medicine, we, we, we give allopathic medicine a hard time because they're prescribing medications. And we say, Hey, that's not good. We're going to give you supplements instead. And we switch out, you know, five medications for 25 supplements. And we assume that that's better. That's just greenwashing of medicine. It's not any better. It's the same print. It's the same principles, right? I'm going to treat the sign or treat the symptom. We're just using maybe natural supplements, but it's not necessarily a healthier change. So uh, getting people off of those things is hard. The person who comes in, who's a fresh pal is like, I'm chronically tired. I've never heard of functional medicine before. Dang, those people are easy because you just get, you just start talking to them and tell them, Hey, this is how it works. They have no preconceived notion. This is a whole new world for them. So they're like, Hey, that makes sense. And they're, and those are the easiest people sometimes to work with. Yeah, that's a good point. And in terms of they, I think it's a double-edged sword with a diagnosis. Cause I agree with you in terms of, I, I don't want to hear your old diagnosis because you are in a paradigm that you've locked into. And like you always say, trying something different is not going to get different results. And, uh, you know, tr- you know, so- trying something the same, sorry, is not going to give you different results. But at the same time, like we, we kind of have a diagnosis in terms of, okay, foundationally, there's low grade inflammation, there's a supply and demand problem, your blood sugar is not being stable. Um, it's signaling a cell danger response in your body. All of these dominoes are falling down and we want to get as far upstream as possible. And we find, I'm sure you find this too as well. Even the ones that are married to a diagnosis, they always are looking for root causes. I I find, you know, like even if they know I have a thyroid issue, 
Um, and I, 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 you know, I take this medication or that medication. I really, most of them don't want to take the medication. They would, would like to get to the root cause and maybe just put the fuse in the fuse box that fixes the thyroid and, and then all will be done and all will be happy. So I, I, I echo that with you as well. As far as now, let's say you are working with someone and they've, bought into the idea that it's not a reductionistic, just fix the thyroid thing. And you're educating them in terms of the consequences of supply and demand or cell danger in the body. How do you typically go from there in terms of um, strategies? And I guess this is a general question, but how will you go from, okay, having someone accept that you need to get, find out what's going on physiologically, foundationally, fundamentally in their body. H how do you convey that or what do you do going forward? I know it's a general question, but maybe you can kind of sum up how you go about that. Yeah, well, I think the first part is get them to realize there's two different operating systems, right? One, when we're in homeostasis or in a low stress state, and one when we're in allostasis, which is an excessive stress state where we, we're we're in kind of in danger mode. Right. And so for most people, I, I try and make sure they understand that concept. And I usually like kind of analogy, like if, if they were cooking in their kitchen, right. And they had like four burners on their kids are at the, the Island and they're all having a great conversation and somebody broke into your home and started attacking one of your kids. Right. Are you going to continue to cook? And most people are like, no, I'm going to go protect my child. Right. So you're going to take the time to turn off the burners? No. So all the food's going to burn, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to protect your, your, your kids, right? That's the only thing on your mind. Absolutely. I said, so is the, the food's going to burn? Is the kitchen getting cleaned up? No. Are, is the wash getting done? No. Are you having sex with your spouse? No. Are you taking a nap? No. Okay, so then we could look at you at what's going on in your house. If I don't see that somebody's attacking your child and just say, oh, I know exactly what's wrong with Joel. He's a terrible cook. He's a terrible housekeeper. He's a terrible spouse, right? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just, you know, get a, get a housekeeper, get a cook, get a chef, right? But is it fair for me to say that Joel's just all these, he's just terrible at all these things? Um, or is it unfair? That, well, it's unfair because I'm protecting my child. I'm like, right. When you're in, when you see danger, you're going to address danger. Everything else that's not important to survival and protection is going to be ignored. And that's when the light bulb goes on to people. It's like, oh, so is that what's going, is that why I, I, I'm in, I'm in danger mode. I'm like, right. So if you're in danger mode, you're not stopping to have sex, right? No. Well, that's why your hormones are probably going to become dysregulated. The longer you're in danger mode, that hormone physiology is going to have to essentially, we turn down the dimmer switch on normal hormone regulation. And in time, we're going to see abnormal hormone regulation. And in time, we may actually see dysfunction and disease if it's there long enough. Why am I not sleeping? Well, if you're in danger mode and you're protecting your child, are you going to take a nap while you're, this person's attacking your child? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, then why do you think when your body's in danger mode, you think you're going to take deep restorative sleeps? No. Okay. So now they start to get the idea that the body does have two mechanisms. And so what I try and tell them, like, we've got to identify 
what's creating that stress response or that excessive stress response, that danger response. And we need to reduce the stressors so that your body comes out of danger and protective mode and can go into healing and restorative mode. And I, I tell them it's almost like if you had two cinder blocks and a plank, right? And think about stress like five pound weights or any weight, right? And if I start stacking weight on that plank, like that plank can hold a certain amount of weight, just like you and I can manage a certain amount of stress. But if I put, if that stress, if I keep stacking five point weight, pound weights on there, I get to hundred pounds, that thing's bowing and five more pounds I put on there, the whole thing snaps, right? And that's how stress is for us because we, we're always trying to identify what's the one thing. Is it lime? Is it mold? Is it, is it my heavy metal toxicity? The reality is what's creating the chronic danger response for most of us, it's not an acute thing typically. We think it is, but it typically isn't, but it's chronic stress. It's antibiotic use that we started early on in life. It's chronic infections. It's disrupted sleep patterns. It's hormones, it's medications, right? It's the accumulation of emotional stress, past trauma. And it's these five pound weights that keep building up and eventually that breaks us down, puts us into danger mode. And I try to tell people if... The other option is, is that it could be acute stress. I could drop a hundred pounds on that board and guess what? It's going to break, right? Cause it's too much too quick. So you can have acute stress that creates a danger mode, or you can just have chronic long-term stress and you never, it's really hard to figure it out. We always think it's the last thing, right? Well, I went into this moldy house and that's when everything got terrible. Well, that was the, probably the, the lead, that's the thing that broke the board. And so now what we need to do to fix you is we need to reduce the stress rebuild the board and then you're going to be stronger. And people, and people are like, because I'll ask them which stressor, which five pound weight do I need to take off the broken boards to fix you? Uh, the last one. Okay. So if the last thing that you recognized as the problem was gluten and you stop eating gluten, and that's one of my, that was the last five pound weight on that board. Is the board fixed? No. Can I even get to the board? If I have a hundred pounds laying on that broken board, can I even get to it? Probably not. So what do I got to do? I got to start pulling lots of stressors out of the system, right? I got to fix sleep. I got to reduce emotional stress. I got to have better exercise habits. I got to start pulling lots of stressors off those broken boards so that the danger response essentially goes away, right? And I then can rebuild and rehab the system. I got to take all the weights off the board, rebuild the board, put it back on. And now I can slowly start stacking stress or weights back on that board. And I think people start to get the idea. All right. So I tell them my goal with everybody, I don't care what your diagnosis is, is to take a 30,000 foot view of what's going on. Look at your health history, your health timeline, your signs and symptoms, and a good comprehensive blood chemistry panel as the starting point and say, all right, here's how you got to where you are, right? There's a, I think two famous philosophers, Shrek and Donkey, right? And they're walking through the field. And I think it's Donkey says, you know, people are like onions, right? You got to peel back the layers. And he's right. Or ogres are like onions. You got to pull back the layers. And we're like layers. Typically, our, the things that cause us to break down aren't the new things. They're the things from years ago that we just kind of either placated, medicated, or ignored. 
that never really went away, but just became part of that stress load. And so, hey, we're going to we're going to identify what's current that we can address. And then so we're going to reduce the current stress load of what's active that we can actually address sleep, fitness, breathing, um, organisms, try and get those in check. And then we got to also take a look at what systems have now become compromised. We know the adrenal system is going to become, has become compromised, GI, thyroid, uh, neurotransmitter. And I tell people all the time, you should expect lots of systems to become compromised under chronic stress. It's what I call a multi-system adaptive disorder. When I'm in chronic stress, just like we were talking about, I'm when I'm trying to protect my child, I'm going to have food burning. I'm going to have wash that's not getting done. I'm going to have cleaning that's not getting done, right? All those things aren't going to get done. They're not getting attention because my attention is elsewhere, right? So we should expect the adrenal system is going to become changed. Our, our hormone physiology is going to change. Our thyroid physiology is going to change. And we look at those changes like it's broken. In reality, it's adaptive, right? The body's saying, hey, initially, I've got to adapt. I've got to help this danger process out. I've got to help that protective mode. I'm going to take energy away from here and put it to here. And when it's short term, it works fantastic. The problem is when it becomes chronic, that's when we start to see dysfunction of those tissues and disease. So we have to assess, reduce the stress, reduce the danger response. Then we have to say, okay, what systems we have need, we need to work on to help those systems actually recover. And so the recovery piece is building those systems back up, nurturing them, helping them start to function again. And then the last piece of the process is restoring kind of cell-to-cell communication, that normal cell-to-cell communication. I think most people don't hang in there long enough. They start to feel better and then they go back to habits before they've really restored cell-to-cell communication. And for, to go back to that analogy, like why do we need to get really reduce that stress response and make the danger response go away is because like, even if you're, somebody broke in the house and it was attacking your kids um, and you fought off that attacker or do you go right back to normal or do you kind of stay like, Hey, does somebody else break in here? And you're on edge for weeks or months on edge. Cause you're not certain convinced that danger response. Many times where people are, the stress goes down, their, their threshold response, I meaning the, the danger response starts to ease. They feel a little bit better and they think, Oh, I can go right back and do all those things. And it, it comes right back, but you don't go right back to phys- normal physiology. Really, the last p- p- phase of healing, which is where people need to hang in the longest, is when we have that cell-to-cell communication restored. And I, I usually explain that like in a fight. If we're getting in a fight with somebody, and I, you and I are hanging around at, at a bar or having a good time, having dinner, and we got and there's a fight breaks out. You know, we're not going to have that Hollywood like jokey conversation while we're in a fight. We're going to be focused on ourselves. Nothing else matters. And we're not going to restore. Just sit down. We're going to have a beer and, and drink conversation until we're convinced the danger's gone. So we have to hang in there long enough that we get that normal communication, cell to cell communication back. Yeah, it's awesome. And not only that, Eric, it's also, I mean, inherent in our in the in our evolution and in terms of the millennia in terms of our reptilian brain and our limbic center and our parasympathetic stuff where you can't just 
avoid like end the situation it's like that great book why zebras don't get ulcers when a zebra is running from a, a lion um you just have to be the second slow you know second slowest you can't be the slowest um but when you go to the watering hole after they don't have like zebra conventions for hey almost being eaten by the lion i mean they're just on with it and they don't have that other center in their brain where it really puts a an emotion component to it but i love your analogy as well i tell people eric that um you know think of me as a business consultant to your body and you're asking me how do i increase my income and and a lot of the times you're thinking of that in ways of what more supplements can i take that the 10 other guys that i told them the exact same thing was wrong with me gave me maybe you have that secret supplement to increase my income that secret business thing but really as business consultants our job is to address all your expenses and then eliminate those expenses so that you have more disposable income so that's what i i tell them as well so it's interesting that you say that so as far as where does the from a from a system failure you talked about um and that's where you and i kind of went down separate roads which are really the same roads i mean the hpa axis um the hpt axis the hypothalamus pituitary adrenals the hypothalamus pituitary thyroid maybe speak to that a little bit in terms of um how that does involve the thyroid or the adrenals and how you may want to um address what they're already bringing to you in terms of medication so it's a twofold question so number one is how are the systems involved from the feedback loops that initiate thyroid and uh, you can just go with thyroid or adrenals or however you want to go and then how do you kind of tweak what they're already doing with specifically medications Well, okay. So a couple of things is I I think I think you said is, you know, we went down a different roads, thyroid whatever. I think you and I know and I think the, the your listeners should know too. I mean, one of the things that happens is we need to have a talking point, right? So while you're do you talk a lot about adrenal physiology and I talk a lot about uh, thyroid physiology, a good functional medicine practitioner, in my opinion, is not a specialist like like I only do thyroid or I only do adrenal. Um, typically, what we're doing is we're talking about a subject that we're passionate about, but beyond that initial subject, thyroid physiology, um, we have to be a great generalist, right, to be able to address because you're not necessarily going into uh, to somebody who's got uh, adrenal issue and saying, well, let's just load you up with the things that are going to stimulate more cortisol, or we're going to give you a bunch of things that inhibit cortisol, right? That's a, that's a, that's a more of a medical allopathic philosophy. Um, and really in a functional medicine, uh, philosophy, we want to say, Hey, look, we're talking about thyroid physiology because that's what catches that person's attention. And then we can have the conversation about with them about what, how that relates to their chronic illness. It's not the issue, but part of a bigger web of dysfunction. So I think that thing's important because I did have a discussion with somebody um, uh, who's, who's a functional medicine practitioner, and they were talking about, I think it's terrible that we see all these people in functional medicine being specialists because that's what we gave allopathic medicine a hard time for. And I'm like, I, I don't think, I said, that I agree. There are people in functional medicine, they say that I just treat a dream. They just, I just, and I'll talk about thyroid physiology in that they just address thyroid physiology and they just take 
they're like, they're only focused on thyroid physiology. So they're either trying saying, Hey, we're medicine bad. We're given T4 and T3 instead of T4 only, which is what, what allopathic medicine often does. Or I'm an even better physician because I'm going to give T3 only, or I've got a magic supplement that helps convert T4 to T3, or I have something that's going to reduce your reverse T3. Uh, and they're doing the same thing that allopathic medicine is, which is trying to manipulate numbers and, and doing whack-a-mole type stuff. But I think most of the people that I kind of resonate with, and I'm sure you do, we talk about thyroid physiology as not the problem, but an adaptation by the body and say, okay, your, your thyroid physiology isn't working how it would in homeostasis in a non-stress state, which means you're in a stress state. So let's figure out why. Oh, but somebody told me I have adrenal issues. Well, you do, and you should expect to have adrenal issues. And I'm sure in your conversation, somebody says, I have adrenal issue. I have adrenal fatigue. Yeah, you have adrenal consequences, and you're probably going to have those because you have some type of chronic stress response or acute stress response. And depending on how well your body's adapting to that stress, you could be hypo or hyper. And it is going to impact other tissues. So you don't have just a adrenal issue. You have a, a web of dysfunction that's going on due to some type of cell stress. And that's what we're going to work on. Same per, if the same person walked into my office, like, hey, I have adrenal fatigue I'm, or I'm seeing Joel because I have adrenal fatigue. Now I want to see you because I have a thyroid problem. You don't need both of us. What you need is one of us to help you address the root issues that's going to cause your thyroid to be dysfunctional, that's going to cause your adrenal to be dysfunctional, to create, cause your gut to be dysfunctional over time. So you really need one person who's a good generalist. And while we might on our blogs or a post have a theme that we talk about, most of us in functional medicine should be pretty, really good generalists, right? So go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Okay. Well, no, I, I was just going to say, that's awesome. I tell people that all the time. And um, as far as, well, you know, finish your sentence. Cause I was, I was waiting to, well, I was going to go into the next thing you were wanting to talk about. So, but go ahead. Yeah, do, you do, that, to... do that. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think the next question you had was how does, how does thyroid physiology maybe change or, and how, and maybe other systems change in result to an excessive stress response, right? right? So my perspective, okay, based on what I've read, researched papers, and I've read a couple papers. Um, so my, the, the typical, I think the current theme, I think for the, the general population, um, from an allopathic approach is that, hey, the thyroid, the hypothyroidism starts when the gland becomes dysfunctional. When TSH goes above range, T4 drops below range, you have primary hypothyroidism and that's when a thyroid condition begins. Um, maybe, but I'd say that's a very small percentage of the cases, okay? Um, then you've got kind of maybe the alternative or functional approach and where they say, hey, um, and this is a blend, I think, sometimes between uh, allopathic and functional medicine where we say, hey, no, no, no. What's really going on here is you have an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's and that's creating the damage to your thyroid gland. And so your, your allopathic doctor doesn't know what they're doing. All they're looking is at TSH and free T4. And so they don't even know this is going on. And 
the, the, I'd argue that point. I'm like, probably most of the allopathic physicians know that the, the vast majority of people, at least in the U.S., have Hashimoto's. The issue is, who cares? Because in their mo- in their model, you die. You don't provide thyroid hormone to somebody until their tissues are exhausted, right? Until they can't make enough anymore. And I, I, I agree that that's probably a good strategy. You shouldn't be lo- overloading thyroid hormone into a system that doesn't need it yet. Okay. Um, and, but from their model, they don't care if you have Hashimoto's, they just know that your thyroid gland is being damaged at some point. We don't know what causes Hashimoto's and your immune system's out of control and it's going to destroy your gland. You're going to need thyroid hormone. Simple. And all you got to do is put enough thyroid hormone into the system and then it's going to get into the tissues. Like all we have to do is put enough gas in the gas tank and your thyroid physiology is going to work. And the idea is good. You have to have some gas in your car for it to even start and run. And so you have to have a certain amount of thyroid hormone in the tissue for it to run. But just because you have thyroid hormone in the bloodstream doesn't mean that your thyroid physiology is going to be optimized. Instead, what I try and get people to, un- to think about is what causes chronic hypothyroid, any, what causes hypothyroid symptoms, hyperthyroid symptoms is typically what's happening at the cell and tissue level. So if you are experiencing hyperthyroid symptoms, it's not... It's, Yeah, you might have too much thyroid hormone being made by the gland. Yep, absolutely could. You could be taking too much thyroid medication because what happens is it's what how much thyroid hormone T3 is getting to that cell and tissue and binding to receptors is what's either causing hypo or hyperthyroid symptoms. Okay. So I think most of the issues start at the cell. So I think from what I've learned, I'm sure you've learned from the cell danger response is when we have excessive stress, the body needs to switch its function. Like we were talking about with the person cooking, they go from cooking mode and, 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 and parent mode to protector, right? In the, in this, in the cells and the tissues, if, if I'm a cell and I'm perceiving stress, excessive stress or danger, I'm going to stop making hormones and I'm going to reduce the production of proteins and enzymes. And I'm going to reduce bringing glucose into a cell because that would, if there's a danger inside the cell, there's a bacteria, a virus, a toxin, that cell is going, hey, wall, wall myself off, separate me from everybody else, find this thing that's creating the stress and fight it and get rid of it. And by the way, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to send out warning signs to all the surrounding cells and tissues to say, hey, I'm in danger. Look out for this guy. He's coming to get you. And so what the cell uses as kind of the dimmer switch to either turn on normal metabolism or turn on cell defense is T3 and thyroid hormone that's converted. Some of it's brought in from the bloodstream. Some of it's converted inside the cell. So when we think about what's happening in a cell, T3, most people understand that T3, the primary hormone made by the thyroid gland is T4. The primary active hormone is T3. So there's T3 and T4 in the bloodstream. Vast majority of it's T4. Cells bring T4 into the cell. And if they want to increase their metabolism, they're converting that T4 to T3. That binds to receptors and that turns on metabolism, growth, makes you feel good. You make energy. Life is good. Hair grows, right? Not constipated. And so when T3 binds onto some receptors, it turns on a lot of those actions of metabolism. But T3 can also bind to receptors 
and turn off systems. It can turn off the cell defense mechanisms. It can turn off the inflammatory mechanisms. It can turn off mitophagy and autophagy, and it can slow down. It can make sure those systems aren't always on. But if I'm in a cell danger response, a cell stress response, how do I turn, how do I activate that thing? I turn down the amount of T3 inside the cell. That means there's less T3 to bind to the receptors that are going to activate normal metabolism. And I'm going to not have T3 binding to the receptors that turn off cell defense. And so now cell defense and inflammatory mechanisms can kick into gear and I slow down cell metabolism. The problem is it makes us feel like crap, right? We're tired, we're fatigued, we have fever, we got shaky, we got inflammatory issues going on, and we think that we're sick. In reality, what our tissues are doing is actually doing exactly what they should do. I sense danger, I turn off the things that aren't really important right now, and I turn on the things that are really important. So that's what I call cell or tissue hypothyroidism. It's been written up in the literature for over 30 years now. It's just virtually ignored. But we've forgotten that this can happen. And we've just said, hey, let's just dump more hormone into the system and try and force the system to weigh the work the way we want it to. And it just hasn't panned out well. It's like if your car wasn't running well and you went to someone and like, hey, just fill up the tank. Well, it is. Okay, I'll put gas in the tank. It's still not running well. Well, put more gas in the tank. What? Yeah, yeah. We put 86 octane in. It didn't work. So we're going to put um, we're going to put a blend of 86 and 93 octane and it'll run better. Well, that's not working either. And we have to start to take a step back instead of how much is in the tank and say, maybe there's something else at the engine, right? That's not working well. Spark plugs, bad fuel filter, bad, something wrong. Same thing in the body. If you, if you, if you get diagnosed with hypothyroidism, you take T4 and you feel fantastic and your levels normalize and other markers in your blood work that would indicate a tissue hypothyroidism go away. That's probably the right treatment. But if you take the T4, your TSH normalizes or drops low and your T4, TSH drops lower is normal and T4 normalizes and you still have chronic hypothyroid symptoms, it, it's probably not being converted to active T3 in the tissues. And we have to start to ask better questions, not how do I force it in, but why is the body with its intimate wisdom trying to slow down metabolism? And when we, if we can, if we look at physiology from that perspective, like, hey, the body's not screwing up, it's trying to protect you from something, that opens up a whole new world because now we don't look at maybe the immune system is lost control and it's out of control and it can't recover. Instead, we say, hey, this is a cell, this is part of that cell stress, cell danger response. The immune system is upregulated. It's trying to slow down metabolism globally by shutting down this thing called the thyroid gland. Hey, if I don't need, if I'm in a chronic state of trying to slow down metabolism, I can either turn it off at a bunch of cells or I could turn it off at the source. And after 20 some, 26 years of clinical practice, that to me makes way more sense than the immune system's out of control. Because if it's just an immune system out of control, I'm screwed. If it's an immune system acting adaptively, an inflammatory system acting and, and thyroid hormone being regulated adaptively, that makes a ton more sense because now I'm I can recover because all I got to do is figure out what the stressors were, reduce those to a point that the danger response goes away. 
And now my immune system calms down. And I'm sure you've seen the same thing as you're working with your patients and you start reducing those things that are driving the stress. Oh my, oh my gosh, my autoimmunity is getting better. How could this possibly happen? Because it, your immune system probably wasn't as screwed up as you thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. There's awesome. A lot of, a lot of awesome things in there. And it makes me think number one, cause I've seen you, I've known you for a long time and I was going to a lot of those, um, why my thyroids, you know, why do I have thyroid symptoms, even though my blood tests are normal. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the evolution, um, with you and myself, and also in terms of just Zen and the art of functional medicine, you know, in terms of initially you use the information that you have, you have an autoimmunity, your body's attacking itself. And then you get into, well, it's common sense. I mean, your body is in a allostatic overload state and you're not cooking your food while your family's being attacked. Right. And that makes so much common sense. So as far as, and also, I also think what we work against is the way we've been conditioned um, in terms of what medical doctors do going back to the days where you would have the guy with his doctor bag and going to the home and making a doctor visit and giving you the, the thing that your body needs. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's a reductionistic approach. And we've taken that into alternative medicine and people I, inherently, I don't think they want to be lazy, but I think they want that pot of gold solution where Jack and the beanstalk, you, you go to bed, you wake up, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow when you wake up the next morning, you know, and it's at the end of the at the end of the day, it's a cold, hard reality in terms of, okay, Mrs. Jones, we need to really make some lifestyle changes. We need to identify the elephants in the room. And we need to realize that reductionistically, we can't just get off of gluten and take thyroid medication and expect that those major drainers of the battery are going to be addressed just because, you know, you're doing these other things over here. So let's get into that then, Eric, in terms of, and I'm like you as well. I, re, I remember you saying last time, like, if you're taking all those supplements and you're still feeling as crappy as you are, then why are we taking all those supplements? So how have you changed in terms of now that you teach this model and, and you understand that the body's in a cell danger response and all of these accompanied um, changes that are happening in the body are, are normal responses by your body to abnormal stressors. Um, what do you do in terms, what do you do about it now? So let's like in terms of incorporating lifestyle changes, nutritional changes, activity changes. Um, also too, in terms of not you know, not in terms of uh, when you when you look at a blood test, there's so many mechanisms where the body compensates where we get into trouble when we make interpretations on blood works and, and make reductionistic approaches. So I guess it's a multifold question. Number one is, what's your new protocol, not protocols, what's your new strategies that you incorporate to give people the overall general approach to helping themselves? That's the first question. So the first thing, like we want to do with somebody who's new is, is kind of let them know that, Hey, they, we're, there's a couple things we're going to need to do here. One, we need to know how we got here. So that's why it's so important to do a health timeline on somebody, look at their health history, look at their symptoms and look at their, and look at a good comprehensive blood chemistry panel. I, you know, when somebody says to me, Hey, I've got a full thyroid panel where I, can you look at my blood? I, I have good blood work done. And all they have is a TSH T4. My standard answer is you can't assess thyroid physiology by looking at a TSH and T4, you really can't even assess thyroid physiology by looking at a, th a comprehensive thyroid panel. I think what we need to do when we take a look at somebody is 
look at blood work from a from a pattern perspective, not an individual marker perspective. So what I always try and do is say to somebody, look, um, based on your, your health history, your timeline, here's likely the mechanism of action. And here's the current stressors that are having an impact on your life. And these are the things we're going to have to make some modifications to your diet. We're going to have to take a look at your, we're going to have to take a look at your respiration. Do you breathe too much? Do you breathe them properly? We're going to have to remove, we're going to have to address those things. If you're not sleeping well, we're going to have to address those things and why you don't sleep well and how to help you improve your sleep. We look at your habits. What are the habits that you have? Are those habits that are helping you promote health or those habits that you have promoting more illness and disease? We're going to have to make some changes there. So I go through what I call my fitness factors and say, hey, we're going to have to raise your level of fitness in each of these categories over the next you know, six months or so, so that we can get you to a higher state of health. The other thing we need to do is we need to look at like what we need to address and what systems are compromised by looking for patterns in the blood work. And so like, I'll, I'll, look, at a th- I'll look at somebody's labs and look for, okay, this person's coming to see me. So do they have a tissue or cellular hypothyroid issue going on? Um, are they already diagnosed with glandular or yeah, glandular or primary hypothyroidism? Are they already on medication? Do we already know like what's their history is going to tell us stuff, but regardless of whether they ha- have been diagnosed or not, do I see a tissue hypothyroid pattern on their thyroid panel? And if I do, or I think I do, then I want to go look, is there other things in the lab that will help me understand that? So if I don't see it in the, in the thyroid panel, it may look all look good. Do I have a potential tissue hypothyroid pattern, even though I can't see it in the labs? And you might say, well, wouldn't you see it in the labs? Well, it all depends on what medication they're taking. Because what we're really looking for, if they've been medic, if they have already diagnosed with primary hypothyroidism and their TSH is normal or low and their T4 is normal, what we're going to look for, is there a convert, are they having a reduced conversion of T4 to T3 and an increased conversion of T4 to reverse T3? Well, if the person's taking T3, those values are out the window because now they're taking T3, which is going to raise T3 values and lower T4 values. So already I'm out of, I'm out of the game. If they're already taking just T3, now those T3 values are totally invalid as to whether there's good conversion because they're artificially loading lots of T3 into the system. So you may not be able to, to see it in a traditional, in a, in a thyroid panel. So we have to keep our eyes open, but we have the symptoms that we can see. Then we start to look for patterns. Do I have an inflammatory pattern in blood work that might If I have an inflammatory pattern, we know that when there's increased inflammation, we get suppression of TSH early on, um, and we get decreased conversion of T4 to T3, and we see an increased conversion of T4 to reverse T3. So we know that those mechanisms are going to start to occur. So do I have inflammatory markers? So we look for those inflammatory markers on the blood work and say, yep, I've got inflammatory markers going on. So yeah, I probably have a level of tissue hypothyroidism that's going to can kind of confer with the chronic hypothyroid signs and symptoms my patient has. Then I look for patterns in other, for more patterns. And one of those patterns I'll look for is a dysglycemia pattern. So do they have elevated fasting blood sugar? Do they have elevated insulin? Do they have elevated hemoglobin A1C? Do they maybe have a problem with LDH? Do they have lower creatinine levels? So are they, do they have good blood sugar control? Are they making appropriate energy? 
Um, and if those values are out, I'm like, okay, we got a blood sugar issue. And you might say, well, what, what's the relationship there? Well, you, to get glucose into cells, whether it's a fasted or non-fasted state, you need, you need T3. And so if you don't have sufficient T3 in the tissues, you're going to start to see insulin resistance. And then I'll look for a cholesterol pattern. So if I have elevated or a liver, so I look for the lipid pattern where I see elevated cholesterol and LDL. What does that tell me? That tells me I'm not getting enough T3 at the, at the liver to activate the LDL receptor. So now LDL stays elevated because it's got to carry cholesterol around and cholesterol gets elevated. That's another pattern. I'll look for a pattern of early fatty liver issues going on. So I'll see a rise in triglycerides and a rise in VLDL and probably a lot rise in cholesterol um, and LDL as well. So I'll look for that. And I'll just keep looking for different patterns in the blood work that kind of confirm that there's some level of tissue hypothyroidism going on. And then once I see that, I'll say, then I'll sit down with the patient and say, listen, you definitely have a tissue hypothyroid pattern going on. You definitely, you have a multi-system adaptive disorder going on where now you're starting to have changes in your hormone regulation. You're starting to have problems with blood sugar regulation. You're starting to have problems with renal function. You're starting to have problems with liver function. And all of these things aren't broken at this point because your doctor hasn't seen disease. There are their, their function is adaptive because of some type of stress response. Now we got to get busy addressing those stress responses that are, and, and reducing that stress response. Some of those things that caused it are gone, right? They happened, they're gone, but you've, you, you adapted to those things and never, never recovered from those. So you have an adaptive change that's kind of stuck and other things are current. And all we got to do is start working on reducing that load. So that way the danger response goes away. So I'll look for the patterns in the blood work and um, be able to help them understand why they have multiple issues going on. And as part of a web or an adaptive disorder versus individual things. And then that blood work also helps us understand where we need to go next to assess the rest of their physiology. It may direct me to look at their GI tract. It may direct me to look at their hormones. It may direct me to look at what's happening with adrenal function so that we can work on it. But foundationally, that's the foundational start for me. Then we start working on, okay, let's diet is so important and gut so important. And then each time I meet with them, we're working on a different lifestyle factor so we can work on, they have time to, oh, breathing. You don't want, I don't want to dump all those things onto my patient at one time. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be working on this kind of cleaner diet, get you off the standard American diet, get you onto this cleaner diet. We're going to see how this diet impacts you. Then we're going to see if we have some gutty stuff going on, we're going to start addressing it. Then we're going to start moving through the systems and start working on them. Those are the things I'm going to help you do with diet and nutritional supplementation. And then at the same time, you're going to one at a time, start working on incorporating how to improve your individual fitness in each of these lifestyle categories. Yeah, that's an awesome answer. And just to kind of recap, just one thing that you said, which maybe the, the novice listening to this um, doesn't understand, but you said, I'll look to tell them if there is a, a evidence in terms of a, a, a cellular hypothyroidism 
Um, or if there isn't, then all of the trends that I see in the other labs that suggest T3 issues at the cellular level. So we're just talking about the traditional approach is looking at T4 and TSH, which is telling us about what the gland is doing versus T3 at the level of the cell, which may not directly be shown from the lab work, but can be inferred with other things, which is saying, hey, we're not really so much concerned about what the gland is doing. Yes, it's important, but what is going on at the, at the level where the tissues use it? What, what's going on there? Um, I guess in, in, um, in the last question I want to ask you is, what do you feel is your biggest clinical pearl um, that will help move the needle the most, given everything that you've said, because you've shared a wealth of information um, that helps your clients the most? I mean, is it breathing? Is it dietary changes? Is it all of the above? Is it mindset? What do you find that will always make a difference with someone that you're working with or a combination of things? Well, I think the, the most important thing is to get the person to understand they're not broken. Okay. I, I think that's, we have to get away from I'm the broke, I'm broken men mentality and that they have a disease um, association that, that because if you identify as your disease or disorder uh, or think you're broken, it's hard to get better. And then the second thing is I want to get across to them that the most important things that they can do are often the things that are free. Um, improving their diet, improving their sleep patterns and habits, imp improving their daily habits, improving breathing. It's funny. I just, I had a new uh, discovery call with a new client and um, he had listened to the podcast where we talked about breathing and the significance of breathing. We talked about nose taping and mouth taping, controlled hold breathing, and really getting control of the breath and doing breath work. And he said, I was taking like 30 different supplements per day. And I learned, I listened to that podcast and you, he, he said, you said, if you need to take all these supplements and you, you don't feel good, you probably don't need any. So I started weaning them off and working on the breathing exercise. I said, I can't believe how much better I feel. And I was trying to find the magic supplement in a bottle. And I didn't realize the magic supplement I needed was oxygen. He goes, I can't, I can't believe how I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And he said, it's, it sounded so like, like when you talked about like, that, that can't be right. But he's like, it's made the world of difference. He said, I'm taking half the supplements, but I'm working on breathing and I feel like dramatically better. I cannot believe how something as simple as getting is be, working on breathing could be so beneficial. So, I, you know, I think that's the most important concept that we can help somebody do. It's not sexy. Working on breathing exercise is not sexy. It's not super fun. Popping a bottle, you know, popping a couple capsules is, is a lot easier. Saying, hey, maybe a, really getting involved with a, maybe a, a Facebook group that talks about lime and mold and all those things, that may be a little bit more exciting and enticing than somebody saying, hey, you got to work on your breathing. Um, but man, it's often the stuff that's free is the most impactful in our physiology. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome answers. And I, I echo that too. When someone labels themselves as being broken, it's hard to unfix that bad golf swing for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then number two is ironically, you know, one of for energy storage and metabolism and oxygen uptake to the cell. That's what the thyroid function is charged to do amongst other things. And it would make sense that at the 30,000 view foot, if you can slow down your breathing, not be as quick, but get a lot deeper breath work and a lot more exchange of gases, how that's going to help you immensely. And it's free. So um, co-host of podcast thyroid answers. Um, where else can people get into contact with you, Eric? Uh, you know, they can always reach out to me at my website, rejuvagencenter.com. And, you know, I'd say where I'm most is uh, obviously I got a Rejuvagen YouTube site so they can see a lot of my videos there. And then I guess, you know, I'm Instagram probably the most. I also, I mean, also have some posts on Facebook, but um, I think I do most, I probably a daily post on uh, Instagram and, and Facebook, I guess, but Instagram is where I kind of do most of, of those things. Awesome. Well, listen, this is part, I think this is part three or part four, but we'll get you back for part five um, sometime soon again. And thank you so much for your time. And, um, and I appreciate all the information that you've been providing, not just me, but everyone in the, in the world and moving the, moving the chains forward for, for the profession. So thank you so much for everything you do. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to AdrenalFatigueSociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, What are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.